Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hang on the Holy Land, Land Grant Homeland's flagship podcast. I am your host, Gene Ross, and joining me as always is Josh Juliet. Josh, how are you doing on this fine evening? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Another beautiful Tuesday here in Columbus. How are you doing out there in uh, in the Northeast? Well, kind of the Northeast, right? I mean, do we yeah. consider the New York, New Jersey area Northeast? I, I would say so, you know, right just, just below New England. Uh, yeah, I've been, kind of been in the a mix of New Jersey and New York these last few days, but I'm sure... You know, not not many people out there are very interested in what I'm I am up to. <laughs> yeah, moving into a new apartment out here. I was giving you an opportunity to talk about your new mansion. Yeah, my, my new bachelor pad I got going on here. Moving moving to New Jersey for for work purposes, and so that I don't have a, a three hour commute to to work anymore it is definitely nice. You know, uh, getting out there, getting getting some different different style of, of living. I don't have to pump my own gas anymore, which is nice. Shout out to New Jersey's weird laws in, in that regard, but. Nonetheless, a busy week for me and a busy week for uh, Ohio State in terms of recruiting. Uh, you like that transition right there? That was a good one. Um, early signing day coming up. Uh, as is being recorded, this is Tuesday. It is on Wednesday. Uh, December 15th is the first day that 2022 recruits can officially sign their, their national letters of intent. I would imagine that a lot of uh, Ohio State's players will be, will be signing their letters today, uh, tomorrow or, or today as you're listening to this. Uh, but the big news of the day so far, before we get to any of that, was Ohio State adding their latest commitment in the 2022 class, and that was 2022 defensive lineman Caden Curry. Uh, Curry comes in as the number 88 player in the country, the number 14 player at defensive line. Uh, it's a big get for them out of Indiana. Uh, Ohio State was looking for another defensive lineman to put next to Kenyatta Jackson, and they have found their guy in Caden Curry. They beat out uh, Alabama, who was really making a push for him late in the game. Uh, Oregon was also in his top five. Uh, Clemson was in there. Indiana, the local school, is also in there. So, so a good get for Ohio State. Another good get for Larry Johnson. Even though you know he's getting up there in age, he's still got it in the recruiting game. He's still getting a lot of these guys he wants to get. And you know, Curry seemed like a guy that they really, really wanted. And in the end, they managed to to get him. Yeah, and and hopefully we'll get to this. Hopefully he's not the last defensive lineman to kind of pledge his commitment to Ohio State. But I'm excited about Caden Curry. Um, I've read a lot about him. I wanted to ask you, though, um, he's listed at 6'3", 250. Obviously, the recruiting analysts love this guy. Larry Johnson loves this guy. You know, any any concern about him being a tweener? Because I think about that size and you think about some of the more like recently successful Ohio State defensive linemen, they kind of go into like one of two molds. You've got your Haskell Garrett, 
Um, we'll throw Tyleek Williams in there, Teron Vincent, even guys who have played a lot, kind of the shorter, very large, compact guys, right? And then you look at the guys on the perimeter, often 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guys up there around 260, 270. Um, Caden Curry is a little more compact, and he's played all over the line in high school. Where do you think his position is at Ohio State? Do you think he's interior or do you think he moves outside? Yeah, I think he's a similar type of player to that of, of JT Tuimaloa, and obviously not at that that caliber, but a guy who has you know played both, has a body style that could kind of be molded to either side. Um, I know on two for seven sports now they kind of went away from calling guys uh, defensive tackles or defensive ends. They call guys like edge and defensive linemen now. So because he's listed as defensive line, I imagine he will he will sway more towards the interior. I was reading up on him before too, and I saw that he had like kind of. When he had visited Ohio State previously this summer, he had met with Tuimaloa and, and Jack Sawyer, and kind of they, they all talked about the three of them playing together. And you know, if that was the case, then obviously those the two guys that are already on the roster are already on defensive end, so that would that would put Curry at, at tackle. And I think you know I think they're bringing in Kenyatta Jackson as that kind of that end guy. And I'm sure we'll talk about the other guys in, in a little bit that are also probably profile more as edge guys. So I think Curry's more of an interior guy. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he develops. I think a lot of you know. The, the kind of the poundage and the size he's able to put on will will dictate whether he plays inside or outside. But I think that, you know, I, I don't know what Ohio State is recruiting him for. I'm sure they, you know, they they know what their goals for him are. But I, I think, yeah, like you said, he, he could be a bit of a tweener. He could play play at either side. But I would I would predict that he winds up in interior. But all, it's all going to depend on how his his body develops as he moves on to the next level. But he is, he's a, you know, a top 100 recruit. He's, he's a high-level guy. I think he could excel at either one. Like you said, he's played both at high school. So he's got experience either way. I think Ohio State likes having those guys that are versatile, especially along that defensive line and with a guy like Jim Knowles coming in that, that likes to run a bunch of different defensive fronts. I think he could be an interesting prospect for this team. Yeah, you nailed on it. You, you hit on, I'm sorry, versatility. I think that it's good that he played all along the defensive line in high school. He's not kind of pigeonholed into that one position. So when they try different packages as he develops, I think that he can move around the defensive line. And I think that's a good thing. I think that um, it, what we saw this year is guys were very much in the mold of one or the other. Um, besides, the, besides maybe JTT, we just didn't see him on the field as much. And I think Tyleek Williams is very much that like pass rushing interior guy. So maybe that's what Caden Curry brings to the team is a pass rushing element from the inside. That's kind of where I see him. But again, I, I'm not an expert by any means. The fact that he can move around will only benefit him and the Buckeyes moving forward. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of versatility in this class overall for Ohio State. We could kind of talk about uh, overall what this 2022 cycle has looked like for Ryan Day and his, his squad of guys. Put it together this 2022 class. They have 19 total commits now with Curry in the fold. Uh, two five stars in linebacker CJ Hicks and, of course, Sonny Styles, the safety who reclassified from 2023. As things currently stand, they're the number four class in the country and number one in the Big Ten. Uh, their average player rating is second to only Alabama in this year's cycle. And so, you know, they're only about like 10 to 15 points behind Georgia, who has a number one spot. And that's with, you know, seven less commits. Georgia has 26 guys in their class. And, you know, we think that we'll talk about it a little bit. We think there's a chance that Ohio State could add one or two more guys to this class. But even if they don't, um, it's a pretty solid group. There's, there's guys from all around the place. Uh, obviously, you know, Devin Brown was a late added quarterback. He's going to be a big addition to this team, especially with the loss of Quinn Ayers, which we'll talk about later as well. Uh, Terrence Brooks is going to be an important player for this team at corner, especially since they, you know, since Ohio is State he? stopped. I, I think so, especially because Ohio State stopped pursuing Elias Ricks. I think that he's, you know, he's obviously their their top corner in this class. They have, you know, overall this this ten top one hundred players in this class, which is impressive to say the least. Actually, no, no there's nine. There's a chance to add a tenth, um, which we'll talk about. Another another stacked wide receiver group for for Brian Hartline, bringing in guys like Caleb Burton, uh, Caleb Brown, Kion Grays, Kojo Antwi, a lot of good guys there. You got Tegra Tishabola at offensive tackle, who's also going to be important with with the guys that Ohio State has leaving. Uh, and, a, and a couple other big names, you know, Jair Brown's another corner that could be an interesting prospect. You got Dallin Hayden at running back, a couple other offensive linemen. Kai Stokes as an athlete is probably going to project more as a safety. And so I, I think overall it's a solid group. I think it's kind of a quiet under the radar, like top five recruiting class. I feel like there hasn't been, you know, outside of the obvious CJ Hicks, I feel like there hasn't been a ton of hype around a lot of these guys. But I do think that, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these players could play 
rolls pretty quickly, especially with how Ohio State looked on the defensive side of the ball last year. I think, you know, I think we will see Hicks and Styles both play pretty much immediately. I'd be shocked if they didn't have at least, you know, at least a, a role within a rotation in their first year. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of wide receiver talent coming in, but it's going to be a little bit harder to break that rotation from the jump. But still, we could see, you know, a couple of those guys get some, get some garbage time snaps in year one. And I'm sure they'll play bigger roles down the, down the line. But I think overall, this is a, a solid group for Ohio State and it still has a chance to get better. We're only in December and their real national signing day isn't until February. But, you know, until then, I think Ohio State's probably pretty happy with the guys they have in the, in the fold right now. I think it's funny that you say that this class is being slept on a little bit because, A, I agree, but there's a lot of talent and it. It, there's a lot of versatility of, at different positions. It's just I, I think a lot of people are comparing it to last year's class with Quinn Ewers and Travion Henderson um, and uh, Emeka Abuka, guys like that who were like absolute top of the line five stars, but this class is not short on talent and they're filling a lot of needs. I think about the trio of CJ Hicks, Sonny Styles, and Gabe Powers. I mean, I could not be more excited about those guys coming in all linebacker bullet safety type guys. You know, Sonny Styles is listed as a safety, but he plays a lot of linebacker. He's actually the same size as CJ Hicks, one inch taller. If I'm not mistaken, I think all three of those guys are going to fit right in. Um, I think Devin Brown, he was a late ad. So I don't think that the momentum like built for him the same way that it did a Quinn Ewers or somebody else like that, a Kyle McCord even. Um, but Devin Brown can spin it. Uh, I've watched a lot more recently since he pledged his commitment to Ohio State. I think he could develop into a really good guy. You mentioned the wide receivers. Obviously, we're going to bring in a bunch of talent, and we're loaded there already. Um, I, I asked you about about Terrence Brooks, though, because it, it sounds as if Texas has made a late push for him. I wouldn't say that I'm concerned, but when you look at the rest of the class, if for some reason he were to switch his commitment, and maybe he follows a Quinn Ewers to Texas, they've got a lot of momentum now. Then you start looking at the rest of the class, especially in the secondary, and they don't have the cornerback commits that they have in the past. They've got uh, Ryan Turner, who's more, I think he's a three-star guy. They've got Jair Brown, who is uh, an Ohio guy from Westchester. So good players in their own right, but if they lose Terrence Brooks combined with the fact that they have apparently backed off of Eli Ricks, then I wouldn't say it's a hole, but the class, at least in the secondary, is not as strong as it was before, obviously. So I'm definitely going to be following that one closely. And I think he announces in the morning. So we'll know pretty quickly. Maybe that leaves time. Maybe they turn back to the transfer portal. I don't think you can ever have enough depth in the secondary. But top to bottom, you mentioned the ratings just as far as where they're at on a 1 to 100 scale or a, a 1.0 scale, actually. I think these guys are going to be really good. And I'm excited about, I, I don't want to reveal too much, but Hero Canoe is a guy, a big defensive lineman. He is not announcing tomorrow. He's going to reveal his decision at the Army All-American Bowl, which I think is January 8th. I can't think of a guy recently with that size and power and ability that is coming. I mean, he kind of profiles like a Cam Hayward, 6'5", almost 300 pounds already. He's another guy that I'm really excited about, but I don't want to put the cart before the horse until he announces. Um, I also thought that Tegra Shabola, I think it was promising that he put out on social media today that he was ready to sign his letter tomorrow. He's very excited about that. And he, he put a go bucks or something in there. Um, he won't be enrolling early, like I think was the plan, but to hear him sort of reaffirm his commitment, I think was promising too. Yeah. I, I think overall Ohio state did a good job of kind of assessing their needs in this class. Um, especially at linebacker and safety, obviously bringing in CJ Hicks and Gabe powers at linebacker is, is very much needed with, you know, some of the, the problems they had at linebacker, both in, in depth and in play. Um, Sonny styles reclassifying at safety is huge, even though Ohio state will have uh, Josh Proctor back next year, hopefully after he, he comes off that injury. But, you know, clearly on defense, that was two of the bigger positions of need linebacker and safety. I think they did a good job of addressing those. 
Um, but yeah, like you said, cornerback could be a little bit thin, especially if Terrence Brooks does back off his commitment. Um, I personally don't think he will at this current time as this is being recorded, but you know, you never say never with, with high school kids, anything can happen. Um, and if he were to decommit, that would be, you know, a bit of an issue. They are bringing in two other guys, but you know, I, I think that they're pretty, I think they're comfortable with the guys they have on the roster already. You know, I am pretty, I'm pretty excited for guys like Jordan Hancock and JK Johnson to get a shot next year. Obviously Denzel Burke will still be there. So I think there's, you know, there's a lot of good young talent on the roster already, but you obviously want to keep adding to that. You know, they had already lost Jaheim Singletary earlier in this recruiting cycle to Georgia. He was, he was a five-star corner. It would have been nice to bring in one of those guys. You know, they were in on a guy like Damani Jackson earlier in the year who wound up committing to Michigan, but now it looks like he's going to flip to USC. Uh, so there were guys out there they were in on that they didn't land. It seemed like there if there were going to be misses in this class, it was at that cornerback spot. They had, you know, one guy committed that they lost. They had a couple other guys they were in on high four and five star guys that they didn't wind up landing. So yeah, I mean, if Brooks does he commit, it could could leave a big hole there. I would like to see, you know, Brooks join this roster. I think he's a guy very much like Denzel Burke that that could play an early role. I don't know if he'd have as much of a, a role as like the number one guy when he first came here, but he could play a big spot. But I do think that, you know, the in yet last year's class, they brought in a bunch of defensive backs bunch of guys that we didn't really even really get to see last year. So I think that there's a lot of depth there right now. And I think there are, there's, there's spots for guys to step up. And I, I think that they will be fine either way. I would rather have Brooks than not have him, obviously, but I think that they will, they will survive either way. You obviously don't want that, but yeah, I, I think they're in good shape and I'd rather, I'd rather see him than not see him. But yeah, like you said, Hero Canoe is one of the guys we're, we're still looking for. I think there's only really one or two other guys Ohio State could potentially add to this class, one of them being Canoe and the other being uh, Omari Abor. So two two defensive linemen here, one profiling more as an inside guy, one profiling more as an edge. Uh, you know, Omari Abor is the number 38 player in the country, number four edge rusher. He is a really, really good player, six foot four, two forty out of Texas. Um, he's been, you know, he was originally crystal ball to Oklahoma, but you know, with all their coaching changes and whatnot, he has been kind of gaining steam with Ohio state and, and much like canoe, I'm not ready to, you know, hundred percent say that he's going to Ohio state, but I have a pretty good feeling about him. I, I have, you know, I think Ohio state will at least land one of the two, if not both. Um, and I really think that other than those two guys, that's, that's pretty much it for Ohio state's class. I don't think they're in on very many other high four-star guys or guys of that, those, the caliber of Abor canoe. Uh, but but another two potentially big defensive line ads, which this this team could use. They you know their last year's class was pretty light on defensive linemen outside of the two you know obviously the two five stars they landed, which is you know most schools probably can't say that. It's like oh the defensive line hall wasn't great. They only brought in the two five stars. But at the end of the day, you still need the depth. You still need a lot of guys. You never know who's not going to pan out and who's you know who's going to leave, especially with the transfer portal and stuff like that. So you always need to bring in as much talent as possible. Ohio State would love to add both of those guys. Still, you know, it's it right now. It's looking like they they will land both, but you never say. You know, never. No, nothing's nothing's permanent until the, the dotted line is signed. But you know, I, I think overall, it's it's a good class. I think that Ohio State fans should feel good about it, and I, I like that. You know, Ryan Day is still getting the job done in recruiting. Yeah, as if we were expecting anything else after after one tough loss and one season not in playoff contention. But you mentioned Omari Aber. Um, I, I really hope that they land this guy. I know that Oklahoma was thrown out there, and I know he's a Texas guy, but I, I haven't seen a lot of crystal ball movement towards Texas or Texas A&M, which, I mean, Texas A&M doesn't need another stud. But um, I, I'm excited about him because – you want as much edge talent, pass rushing talent as you can possibly get. It's funny because I saw a national recruiting guy online. I, I don't have his name, but he mentioned that maybe Abor would be persuaded because like the, the national guy said that Ohio State may have stopped pushing as hard as they were previously because they brought in the five stars last year. And that sounds ludicrous to me when you've got the number four edge rusher sitting there um, highly interested in your school to back off of that at all, I think would just be uh, lunacy. And so I don't buy into that. I think they're still pushing hard. I think that they want to sign him. I think that they expect to sign him and that would just be another ad. And I, I think that to bring in those sort of different components, the big guy in the middle, you've potentially got uh Caden Curry, more of that combo versatile guy Abor is sort of a true edge, if I could, uh, you know, define him one way or another. So if you bring in guys that can do different things, I think you do that 10 times out of 10. And I think they're still looking to get his commitment. 
Yeah, and I think there's there's a lot to be excited about next year for Ohio State with with all the young guys they have coming in and the young guys they still have coming back. You know, it was it was year one for C.J. Stroud. He wound up as a Heisman finalist. Obviously, year one for Travion Henderson. You know, year one for a bunch of guys out there. Jack Smith and Jigbo got his first real significant role in Ohio State's offense, and he will be back next year as as Ohio State's true number one receiver. On the defensive side, you know, we mentioned Denzel Burke, but we saw Steel Chambers really come on in his first year as a linebacker. Obviously, you have the two five-star defensive ends. We saw a little bit of what Tyreek Williams could be. So between the young guys that are coming back and the young guys that they have coming in, I think this Ohio State team is, is heading in the right direction. They're going to have a ton of talent, as they always do. I think that, you know, the addition of Knowles, like we've talked about, is huge for that defense. Hopefully they build the rest of the defensive staff around him and, and sort of figure the rest of that stuff out as the offseason goes on. But I, I think in general, you have to be pretty excited for what Ohio State's going to bring to the field next, next year, especially because they're going to open up the season against Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame. So there's going to be a real trial by fire there early on. But I think that you know there's just going to be so much talent on this team. As long as they could not mess it up in the coaching search and, and get these kind of assistance in order, I think that it should be, should be a pretty solid year for Ohio State because they have all the pieces to put it together. I want to put you on the spot real quick because you brought up the defensive line. Um, Tyreek Smith's going to be moving on. We're not sure about Zach Harrison yet. I would imagine he's probably going to move on. Um, Haskell Garrett, Teron Vincent, guys like that. Do you think, if you had to guess, day one um, or week one against Notre Dame, do you think that the defensive line next year is better than what we saw this year? Day one. I mean, it's tough because like, there was there were times when Tyreek Smith looked unguardable last year, but it, it didn't seem to happen enough. Um, Zach Harrison, I could potentially see coming back because it feels like he still hasn't you know there's all that potential there he still hasn't really played up to it and he had his moments as well but it just feels like there's more there and he has a chance to up that draft stock with another year I don't know if that's something he's interested in or something he's he's capable of because you know he's been here for three years now we still haven't seen it so maybe this is really the ceiling for Zach Harrison but I wouldn't be stunned if he comes back but you know if Ohio State trots out there with the defensive line of you know, JT Tumaloao, Jack Sawyer, Tyreek Williams up the middle, and then whoever else is at the other defensive tackle spot, especially if, you know, they run Jim Knowles' Leo position, which is almost like a stand-up defensive end. I think that's something interesting if Zach Harrison wants to come back, because I feel like that would be a role he would be perfect in, because he's almost like a, yeah. a linebacker build. I think that would be really interesting in a way that he could potentially up his draft stock tremendously if that was something he's interested in. But yeah, I think that it definitely has a chance to be better. You know, we saw earlier in this year, Ohio State's defensive line really wasn't good. And then, you know, we saw them against Michigan. They they didn't look really good in that game. Ohio, uh, Michigan's offensive line really bodied them in that game. So I, I don't think it would be all that hard to be better than they were this year. And, you know, I, I think that the potential is all there. You're going to have two five-star defensive ends, you know, potentially three if Zach Harrison is still there. You got Tyleek Williams, who I really, really like and hope plays a ton next year. And so I, I think the, you know, the potential is through the roof. And I, I do think that there's a very good chance that they're a better unit than we saw this year, especially with some maybe more competent coaching around them. I, I think they're better hands down. Um, and, and I know I'm kind of setting myself up to be on frozen hot takes or whatever it is, but I think that <clears throat> JTT and Jack Sawyer getting a year under their belt, getting into the rotation, you know, they didn't play a ton. We, Tyleek Williams, you and I both talked about this. We don't know why he was, wasn't on the field constantly. I think those three guys will take a huge step forward. So I think that they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. But I, I know that's way down the road. We'll, we'll talk about that plenty in the offseason and towards in, when we move towards 2022. But I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. I don't know if you have any more to hit on as far as recruiting. Any other, any other guys you're interested in or wanted to hit on? Well, while we're talking about guys in the trenches, there is another. It's not exactly recruiting, but you know the the new the college football transfer portal these days is its own form of free agency. And so, while we're in in the trenches, we might as well talk about where Ohio State is looking in the transfer portal as well as recruiting. Um, just yesterday, uh, yesterday being Monday, uh, Miles Frazier, a, a offensive tackle from Florida Atlantic, Florida International, sorry, that entered the transfer portal, put out a top three. Ohio State made it. This kid's six five, three oh five. He was a freshman All American at Florida International. I think he's a really solid player. He looks like he knows what he's doing out there. He's a big dude. Um, Ohio State obviously will be losing some guys at offensive tackle. I believe NPF will be you know, going to the NFL, as will uh, Dewan Jones probably won't be going anywhere yet, but they're going to have you know some open spots in that offensive line. Uh, this is a kid with three years of eligibility left. You know, Once, once Dewan Jones leaves or whoever else, you're going to have some options there in, in future years, and I think this is a kid that could come in, push for a playing spot, and then if not play next year, could certainly start in the years after. So I think this is an interesting prospect that Ohio State's after. He does have one 
crystal ball in for Florida State, but it does seem like he's very high on Ohio State. He has a visit scheduled. You know, he was very excited when they offered him just a few days ago, and they've already made his his top three as a school that's been in the hunt pretty much for less than a week now. So uh, I think Ohio State's got a good shot here. I think he's he's very interested in them, and I think that this is certainly the type of player they they should look for. We've talked about you know the current offensive line coach has had a lot of misses at offensive tackle, and it's left a bit of a hole in the in the rotation. I think bringing in a guy like Frazier, who's proven he could do it, maybe not at the highest level, but at least at the collegiate level. Um, I think bringing in a guy of his caliber is certainly important. I think it's a good thing to to look at because you never you know. We we saw this year when you have offensive line problems, it's it's tough to get your offense going. And shoring that up as much as possible is always good. And I think that Frazier is is part of that plan. After this season, all I needed to hear was freshman All American and six six three hundred pounds. I'm in. You know, I, I hope we get him. I'm in completely. You mentioned the level of competition. It's Clearly not the same as the Big Ten, but, uh, you know, he's earned his reps. He's been in the trenches, um, no pun intended. And I, I think that Ohio State is obviously losing a lot of experience up front. So to bring in a guy who has been there and done it, it, it could only benefit Ohio State and that offensive line. So uh, I've been able to check out a little bit of his tape, not much, uh, clearly not an expert on Miles Frazier, but I do like what I saw. Um, good size, long arms. So, you know, I, I think he could profile very well as a high end tackle. We'll just have to play the wait and see game. I don't know when he plans on announcing anything. Obviously, he has not been on in the transfer portal for too long, but you know, with with signing day coming up, these guys probably want to act sooner than later. So I think we'll know fairly soon. But I'm in on Frazier. I, I think that we we need a new infusion of talent, and especially if he can run block, uh, that that's what we need up front. So uh, I'll be keeping keeping an eye on him, and hopefully he's another guy that we can land because you don't get to throw that into your recruiting class per se. But if you're looking at a guy who was a freshman All-American and sort of tried to equate that for, to an incoming freshman, then you would probably say he's like a four-star guy, right? I don't think I'm off base on that. So he would be another big add for sure. Yeah, definitely. You know, to, to Ohio State's credit, they are bringing in a couple of, of offensive linemen in this class. We mentioned Shibola. They're also bringing in George Fitzpatrick, who's a four-star, and Avery Henry, uh, an Ohio guy, is a three-star. So nothing, you know, they're not bringing in any, any five-star linemen. They're not bringing in a guy that's, you know, a top top five national recruiter or anything like that. They are still looking at Carson Hinsman from Wisconsin, uh, who will be choosing between Ohio State and Wisconsin, but it, it's really tough for the Buckeyes to win those battles against in-state guys for Wisconsin, especially offensive linemen. That's generally where offensive linemen go to make it to the league, and you don't really blame them for that's the style of play that Wisconsin runs up there. Uh, but yeah, Frazier would be a big ad. He's looked at as the, the number one offensive lineman in, in the transfer portal right now. And so obviously, you know, Ohio State adding him would be a big boost to their, if nothing else, their depth and potential as a, as a starter down the road. But as we're talking about guys in the transfer portal, as we're talking about number one guys in the transfer portal, we do have to talk about Quinn Ayers, uh, who, you know, we, we talked about last time officially entering the transfer portal. He has now officially transferred to Texas. Not exactly surprising. You know, before Ohio State had gotten the mix in his original recruitment, this was a guy who, who grew up saying his dream school was Texas. He was originally committed to Texas, decommitted, wound up committing to Ohio State. And it, it's a little interesting. You know, I know that the NIL money has kind of muddied the waters a bit in, in what people think of Ewers. I am in the camp that I don't think that he, he went to Ohio State intentionally to you know, make money and then leave. I think that, you know, obviously he couldn't make money. The reason he left high school early is because he couldn't make money as a high schooler. But the things he did for NIL, like he, he was getting that kombucha money from that Texas-based company, regardless of where he went. Now, he could have done the same thing he did at Ohio State at Texas. I just think that he thought he would have a chance to start sooner at Ohio State. I don't think he projected that C.J. Stroud would be a Heisman, front, uh, Heisman candidate uh, as a first-time starter. I think that he would have, I think he thought he would have a legitimate chance to battle for the job in 2022, and after the season C.J. Stroud had, that was obviously not the case. And at a place like Texas that, you know, is kind of struggling, I think he'll have a much better chance to potentially start there this year. So being closer to home, you know, playing for his his former dream school, uh, I think that all played a role. I think that, you know, there just wasn't as much room for playing time at Ohio State as he previously thought. And I think that, you know, part, part of that's on him. You know, coming here a year early, I think he kind of threw the timeline off a bit. And if he would have come this year when he was supposed to, um, he'd only have to sit for one year behind Stroud and then likely take over the job next year. But that obviously wasn't the case. And now now here we are. You know, we hate to see him go. I think he is going to be 
a good player. Obviously, Ohio State replaced him with Devin Brown, who's also supposed to be really good. Um, not quite the caliber of, of Quinn Ewers, but another really, really solid quarterback prospect. I think Ohio State will be fine. Um, I don't know if this will be kind of like a, a Jameson Williams situation where both schools wind up making out well, but you know, there's there's only time will tell. I guess we still haven't really seen what Queen Ewers is. I would have liked to see him play <clears throat> more at Ohio State. I think Ryan Day kind of playing Jack Miller in certain times of this last year was a waste of time because we all knew that he was never going to play here. I think a lot of those snaps could have been given to Ewers instead just to see what he is, and maybe had he played a little bit more, he would have stuck around because he figured he had a better shot. But nonetheless, he's gone now. He's at Texas, and that's just how it is. Yeah, I'm really split on this. I, I'm old school in the sense that I like to see guys compete and earn it. And so, you know, in that respect, I, I wish he would have stuck around for a little bit longer. You're right. He didn't. I assume he did not anticipate CJ Stroud being a Heisman finalist, but coming to Ohio State when he did, I, I'm not sure. I don't know how else this year would have played out. Like, I don't know what his expectation was coming in 15 minutes before the season and expecting to develop at the speed of those other guys. I'm, I'm with you on the Jack Miller part of things that maybe yours could have gotten some of those reps, but he came in so late and had so much to learn that I also can't fault Ryan Day and his staff for the way they treated the situation. You know, Jack Miller had been with the program. Uh, probably knew the offense a little bit better, had a better rapport with the wide receivers and his other teammates and things like that. So um, if viewers came in and expected to get a lot of practice reps, I just, I think he was sorely mistaken. And so, yeah, I, I wish that he would have stuck to the plan, but that was our plan. That wasn't his plan. Obviously he wanted to put a couple of dollars in his pocket, which I cannot fault him for at all. But I also look at guys who have stuck around and sort of earned it a little bit and developed over time. I wish he would have done that here at Ohio State. You look at a guy like Mac Jones, who's playing really well for the New England Patriots right now. He sat at Alabama and he learned and he developed and he worked on his trade and he is really successful at the next level now. But I just don't know how often we're going to see that moving forward. You know, Quinn Ewers is just one of those guys. I, I made a joke in our Slack. It seems like every available quarterback entered the transfer portal within the last week or two. Spencer Rattler, uh, the kid from Texas A&M, just on and on down the line. LSU lost two quarterbacks. So I think that the patience is no longer there specifically for the quarterback position because they want to go somewhere and be the guy and the quarterback is the guy for all intents and purposes in college football. It's the same thing at the pro level too. The quarterback is sort of the face of the franchise and Quinn Ewers probably saw uh, the possibility that he was going to sit for two or even three years and he didn't want to do that. So um, I, I do think there was a little bit of intent there. Um, I think that's maybe part of the reason he chose Ohio State, because there was always going to be that path to go back home. You don't want to upset the home fan base. So if he would have done the same thing at, I don't know, like a, a Georgia or an Oklahoma or something like that, a little bit closer proximity, maybe he would feel more heat in going back. Right now, he's just feeling some or, you know, he's kind of getting some sour grapes from the Ohio State fan base. But I think we just have to accept it for what it is. Um, this is the new world of college football. Lane Kiffin talked about it today, I think, in a press conference uh, that he was doing in or, or an interview that he was doing. Free agency is now alive and real in college football, and these quarterbacks are taking advantage of it um, the most right now. But you'll see it from other positions. We saw it with James Williams, like you mentioned, that worked out really well for everybody. Um, I wish nothing but the best for Quinn Ewers. I just, I, I don't wish him the best if, and when he were to face Ohio state, I can tell you that much. Yeah. Luckily, uh, Ohio state doesn't play Texas until 2025. So I'm assuming that Quinn Ewers will be long gone by then. But I just think, you know, I feel like there's a sect of people out there that think that Quinn Ewers went to Ohio state because it was the big brand and he could market himself the best there. But at the same time, we're talking about Texas. Texas is like one of the biggest brands in all of college football. They have their own network for Pete's sake. So, I mean, and it's not like he, he brought in any big like Ohio 
sponsorship. So I think that, you know, everything he done did at Ohio State, he could have done at Texas if that was his intention. So I don't think he he went into it. I feel like people think he went into it like looking to just market himself off of Ohio State and then dip. I think he did have all intentions of starting for Ohio State down the line and the quarterback room just didn't play out that way. Uh, but like I said, I, I think that, you know, I, I don't blame Ryan Day for it entirely, but I do think that using Jack Miller in any capacity when you had Queenie Ewers on the roster was pretty dumb because you knew he wasn't going to play here. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Jack Miller's fault. I'm sure he'll be a decent player wherever he ends up. But at the same time, it was just you have, you know, you have two five-star quarterbacks. You have three, three basically five-star quarterbacks ahead of him. No real reason to give him reps. It would have been nice to see Queenie Ewers throw a pass in a real game just to see what he had back there. But... Yeah, you know, nonetheless, I, I think, you know, it's it's tough now. With NIL stuff and all the transfer portal stuff, it's I, I feel like college athletes get a lot of flack on the internet, on social media. I think a lot of fans are pretty unfair to these kids who are, at the end of the day, just college kids. Um, and so I don't blame him for anything. You know, obviously, we, we both wish him the best. And it just, you know, this is this is college football now. You go where you can make money. You go where you can play soon if you're a good player, like a player of Quinnewer's caliber who thinks he could play right away, which he, maybe he can at Texas. You know, you go, you go and do it, and you can't fault him for it. Kid wants to play football. He's, you know, supposed to be really, really good. Well, maybe we'll get to see it next year, but either way, it, it won't be for Ohio State now. It'll be for the Longhorns and uh, Steve Sarkeesian down there. Yeah, I think that Ryan Day is big on chemistry, and that probably played a role in this. It's sort of been alluded to that maybe that's part of the reason that they have not pursued, or maybe they backed off of the Eli Ricks pursuit, and maybe that's an antiquated way of thinking about things, but I think for certain, excuse me, certain teams and certain players and certain groups and things like that, I think that chemistry does still mean something. And I think Ryan Day is just, I think he's high on that. And when you talk about chemistry and tradition, that kind of, that's what Ohio state is, is built on and known for. So I think that the whole Jack Miller situation presented itself the way that it did, because I think that Ryan Day still wanted to be loyal to his guys. And Jack Miller was a longtime Ohio State commit. He was a Buckeye guy and it didn't work out. But I think that Ryan Day still sort of felt something for him or felt something a certain way. So I look at the quarterback situation in that way, and maybe it's playing out the same way with defensive backs now, where he wants to keep his guys. He wants to keep what he thinks or what he hopes are long-term Ohio State guys. And could that end up being the wrong decision? Yeah, absolutely. But if I were to compare it to something else, you look at college basketball and the way it's played out. Um, the, the North Carolinas, the Dukes, the Kentuckys, are they upper echelon programs? Absolutely. But those are schools that have gone for the big fish and they they've been so interested in one and done guys that you look at a team like Duke, it it probably came back to bite them last year and they've rebounded. They're a heck of a team this year, but you may have more peaks and valleys if you're constantly chasing the free agents and trying to build the super team. So I'm kind of comparing it to, to pro sports, but maybe Ryan day has that same mentality where he's like, look, I want guys who are invested for two to three years developing with this team, and maybe that's going to pay off, you know, bigger dividends down the road. Yeah, I'm not fully convinced on the whole. I don't want to go too much into it, but the whole Eli Ricks character thing, I'm not, I'm not buying that. This is a kid that Ohio State has recruited as a recruit, and then in the transfer portal, every time he's rumored to be in the transfer portal, Ohio State jumps all over it. I think if you've, you know, you've known what this kid is for several years now, and character issues don't just suddenly pop up. If that's the why you're not pursuing him, I think they just. I don't know what I don't know if they're worried about the players on the current roster transferring or or what have you, but I'm I'm not really buying into that storyline a ton. But either way, um, before we kind of get off the the transfer portal topic, we did want to mention that uh, another Ohio State player that had transferred, Craig Young, has ended up at Kansas, where he's probably instantly one of the most athletic players on the field there. Um, Although, you know, give credit where credit is due. I think Lance Leipold's doing a really good job at Kansas. Obviously, they beat Texas at Texas this year. Um, a really impressive feat for a team that was basically, you know, the Rutgers of the SEC. Um, and so, hats off to them. Or Rutgers, is Kansas Kansas the Big 12? Yes, yes. sir. Yes, sir. I Wow. Imagine Kansas and SEC, boy. Uh, but nonetheless, Craig Young at Kansas, you know, I'm hopefully he, he gets up. I'm sure he'll get to play there from day one. Uh, I'm excited to see him play. I think he's a really good player, and I, I want to see him in 
actual significant snaps against some high-level competition, which I'm sure he will get to do at Kansas, whether it's you know on his own team or on the teams he's playing against. Um, it'll be nice to see Craig Young playing in any uh, capacity. Is there anything else we want to talk about in terms of you know player personnel, transfer portal, all that good stuff before we kind of move on to the next thing here? No, but I'll just hit on Craig Young. I am the owner of a lot of Craig Young's stock. Uh, I talked about it throughout the season. I wanted to see him on the field more. I think that Kansas is sort of a... Uh, out of left field location or destination and team to choose, but maybe he sees a clear path to playing time and I'm rooting for it. I think that uh, Craig Young is, I, I know we didn't see him a ton, but in the glimpses that we did get of him, I think he is just an exceptional athlete. I thought the sky was the limit for him here at Ohio state and it didn't work out. Um, Maybe he wasn't great in practice. Maybe he didn't pick up the playbook, things of that nature. I don't know. But I think a guy with his speed and size and athleticism, I, I think Ohio State needed to find a spot for him. And, I, you know, I wish him luck at Kansas. I, I'm not going to be dialed in on any Jayhawks games, I don't think. But I, I think he's going to be good. And I think that this is not the last that we're going to hear of Craig Young. Yeah, hopefully he could carve himself a nice little career out in Lawrence. Um, I think a lot of the reason he didn't play was because the defensive coaching staff had no idea what to do with him and wasn't very <laughs> wasn't very smart as a collective, as we come to find uh, as the year went on. But nonetheless. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Um, I did want to mention, just as a quick aside, you brought up LSU before, just talking about the quarterback transfers. Did you see the Brian Kelly recruiting like tweet at LSU? Unfortunately, and I, he's not off to a great start in the realm of public perception. Um, you know, sort of the way he left, then he developed this odd Cajun accent at his uh, like at the the basketball game or wherever he first spoke, and then the dancing video that was cringeworthy. That yeah, Brian Kelly's lost his damn mind. What is going on he out may there? Have. That is that was one of the, I don't know. Like first of all, the, the recruit himself tweeted that video out, which is certainly a choice. I don't know how you watch that as as anybody involved and be like, yeah, we should put this out. This is good. Just a weird video. If you haven't seen it, I don't know whose Twitter it's up on. I'm sure you can find it on the internet if you search just Brian Kelly into Twitter. But he's basically just a camera panning around a, a quarterback recruit who's twirling a football, and then Brian Kelly doing some weird jig behind him to some Louisiana-based music. It's a, it's an odd video all around, and I wish I could... You know what, actually, well, hey, now, that, hey, hey, hey. now that I'm saying it, don't watch it, because I wish I could unsee it, but at the same time, it's just, it was, it was yeah, cringeworthy is definitely the word. I won't let you disparage some random Louisiana music. That was none other than Garth Brooks calling Baton Rouge. Um, that, that's and maybe fair. I'm Maybe I'm aging myself a little bit, but I, I gotta stand up for my guy Garth. Yeah, that, that's the only positive of the video in general. But boy, it's if Ryan Day ever starts doing that for recruits, I think I'm out. Uh, but nonetheless, um, I guess, you know, if we wanted to talk about Ohio State coaches a little bit and former Ohio State coaches, Urban Meyer uh, exists, and that's about Thanks. all we could say about him. Uh, it's, it's going bad down in Jacksonville. Uh, who could have predicted that Urban Meyer would be a bad NFL coach? Certainly not everyone. Uh, but... Yeah, he's he has seemingly lost the locker room. He's losing the front office. He was asked about a player in, a, in an interview the other day that he said is playing more and more as the week's gone on, and that player had played zero snaps in their last game. Uh, 
just a bad situation. I, you know, I, I think me and you had done a year nuts earlier in the year talking about how how long we think Jacksonville would stay with Urban Meyer, and I said, you know, they would at least stick with him throughout the year and, and let him finish it out, see how things go. But I, I'm starting to question whether that is the case. I think that I don't know if they're gonna last the whole season with him. Both his his on field coaching has been terrible, and his off field distractions have been almost even more so. Um, I, I'm not surprised by this at all. I think Urban Meyer's whole shtick in college was this, you know, rah rah guy. He kind of led the rock room, locker room. Kids looked up to him. You know, these young, young impressionable recruits kind of looked up at him as this larger than life kind of figure in college football. And it was, you know, at the time he deserved it. He was one of the winningest coaches in college football. You know, he had he had won titles at multiple schools and and all this prestige. But once you get to you know the big leagues and you're you're coaching adults who don't care about your college accolades. Um, I don't think he he kind of that that attitude is going to play, and I, I think that his you know his demeanor and the way he goes about things wasn't going to play with adult football players making millions of dollars. And so I'm not I, I'm surprised at how quickly it went downhill, but I'm not surprised that this whole experiment isn't working out. It's a rough scene, man, and it has gotten rougher as the season has progressed. I just you hit on it a little bit. I I think that paid professionals they buy in in a different way, right? They don't, you're right. They don't care about what you did at a previous job, at a previous level. They care about your ability to coach, to build relationships, uh, to kind of be a CEO. And, you know, it just, it has not worked out well for Urban Meyer. And that's probably understating it. I wanted him to do well. I was rooting for him. And heck, I, I hope that he turns it around because of what he did at Ohio State. But it, it's some of the same old stuff, right? It seems like he has been less than truthful. Now, you and I don't know all the details, but I, we've seen where there's smoke, there's fire, right? And we've seen or heard a lot of that. Um potentially placing blame on the players and the coaches that you have some control and ownership of, right? He that picked, doesn't sound like Urban Meyer. He would never do that. Yeah. And I, that's probably the biggest thing because this isn't the first time there were, uh, you know, rumors and things that came out earlier in the season where he was not practicing the best self accountability, right? It was placing blame on others and you just can't do that. You hear a lot of NFL coaches, you hear coaches all over, you know, they take the blame. Hey, this loss is on me. Didn't coach well enough. Didn't have my guys prepared. I didn't do this. And it's been a lot of, hey, this guy failed. That guy failed. My assistant coaches are losers, which was um, bold to say Especially since he hired them. They're your guys. Yeah, it's just, and so uh, you're right. I'm not that surprised, but I, I wish things had gone better. I wish things were going better because they had Trevor Lawrence and then they got Travis Etienne in the first round. They had, you know, some, in, some talent coming in, but I go back even further. This team had a lot of money to spend in free agency and they struck out and it may have, some of that may have been due to the fact that players didn't want to go and play for a first time NFL head coach. But I, I just think you have to do it a certain way. I think that to make that leap, you either have to be an exceptional leader or you've got to be this X's and O's sort of mastermind, right? We saw Chip Kelly make the jump and ultimately it didn't work out well in the end, but he did have some early success in Philadelphia. And at the time he was like this offensive mastermind. I think that Urban Meyer is a great college coach, one of the best ever, but it was due to his, you know, ability to attract the best coaches, identify those guys early, attract the best talent. And, you know, he was able to make the leap and do that almost by default because he had success at Bowling Green, then Utah, and he just kind of moved up and up and up. Well, then he's starting again at the bottom in Jacksonville, and he just hasn't been able to sort of put those bricks in place and build in the same way. And at, at this point, I do not see any sort of scenario where he makes it to year two. I could see them kind of riding out the year. Heck, at this point, they, they could be tanking for another number one pick. But I just it seems too toxic because 
the media, that, that's one thing. But to not have the buy-in from the players and the coaches, that's something else entirely. And once those guys have checked out on you, I, I, I don't know if there's a road back. So I don't know what he can do at this point to maybe salvage it. But who knows? You know, maybe the owner, um, you know, Shad Khan is a, a, a billionaire many times over, a great businessman. Doesn't mean he's a great football team owner, but he's been successful in his life. He knows how to make the right decisions. Maybe he is stubborn enough to where he wants to go into 2022 with this same uh, kind of hierarchy in place. But if it were me and it were my money, I would just be, I would be taking the quick loss and I'd be playing the long game and I would be looking for something else or somebody else who could come in and, and write the ship here. Yeah. Urban Meyer is a tremendous team builder. That's what he is. He, he was able to accrue talent in college football, like few others around him. And that's why his teams were so good. Urban Meyer, I don't think was ever a great on field X's and O's coach. I think he was able to hire good guys around him who were able to do that. We saw during the 2014 national title run, I think a lot of their offensive success was because of Tom Herman. Um, and I think that, you know, we saw the, the product on the field start to take a hit once he started hiring his friends instead of hiring good coaches at the collegiate level. And that's kind of what caused a lot of his, his downfalls at Ohio State. And now that he's, you know, in a, in a spot where you can't, you know, the head coach of an NFL team doesn't get to, to build the team. You have a front office for that and you do have some say, but it's not like you could go out there and just recruit the nation's best talent. Guys have to want to sign with you. There has to be, you know, there has to be the right players in the draft. You don't get your, your pick of the litter based on where you're, you know, you get, you get your pick where it's at and that's it. You don't get to just go and collect all the five stars like you did in Columbus. So it, it's a, it's a different job. And it's one, it's the reason why I thought personally he should have stuck with his job at Fox. I thought he was a really good as an analyst. I thought he brought a lot of interesting stuff to the table because he does know the X's and O's of the game. I don't know if he always knows you know, when to call it as a football coach, but he knows what's going on in a football game at any given time. And so I, I thought that was a better role for him. I never thought the NFL stuff was going to work. I didn't think he would he would fail this spectacularly. I didn't think that you know he would bring the same. I don't know why I thought the, the off-field things of Urban Meyer would stop once he got to the NFL, but clearly they've only gotten worse with his antics in, in other areas of the world. But... Nonetheless, it's it's you know it's he's not he's not the guy there. I would be surprised if they brought him back for another year. Uh, it'd be one thing if you were just bad. I don't think anybody expected him to go to the Jaguars and win a Super Bowl in year one. But when you're like you said, the the toxic environment he's created, the players and coaches not buying in, calling his own coaching staff losers allegedly that when they're the guys you hired, uh, it's it's just it's not it's not a job for him. It's not something that he could command. He was. A college football guy, he liked the recruiting aspect. He was good at it, and and that's what won him a lot of games. And now that you know that aspect is gone, and you have to coach grown men and, and kind of do a lot of different roles that you did as a college coach. It's not, it's just not his area of expertise. And I think you know, I'm sure Fox will throw the bag back at him if he wants to go back on as an analyst. I don't think they'll they'll stop that. I think he was doing well for them. I think that you know people liked him on that show, and I'm sure they're making good money off of it. So wouldn't be surprised to see that route coming. But uh, yeah, I would be. I personally would be really surprised if they, they brought him back. I'm going to be surprised if he finishes out the season at this point with the way things are going down there. A couple of things on Meyer. Um, as far as the Fox job goes, I'd love to see him back on Fox. I have nothing against Bob Stoops, but Bob Stoops is boring, not entertaining. Uh, um, it, it's just it's not what he's made for. Uh, so and that's Urban why, and that's why he's coaching Oklahoma job. in the bowl game. Well, yeah, maybe that's what he he should kind of do is, you know, I think he got burned out. I think that's why Bob Stoops probably left. And I think he's still young enough to get back in the game. But that's a, a different conversation. I, From what I've heard and from what people have said, like Urban, he prepped his tail off. He brought a ton of insight to that Fox pregame show. So I'd love to see him back there if that's something that he chooses to do. But I, I do have to say this, and it's a bit tongue in cheek. But I have to admire the confidence, the gall, or maybe just the complete lack of awareness. But for him to call his assistant coaches losers, you know, um, potentially, I, that's kind of a power boss move. Like, you know, I've worked at some places throughout my career in my, you know, civilian job, as we're not talking football here where I've wanted to call people who worked for me and under me, or even some peers, I've wanted to call them losers. And I've wanted to ask, you know, 
what makes you worthy of being here? Like, like, what are you bringing to the table? So again, this is tongue in cheek, but I've got to give them a little bit of credit there because that's bold. And, and that takes a lot of uh, intestinal fortitude uh, to do that, especially a group of, gr- you know, grown young men. I, I can't imagine what the reaction is or was in the room. We know Anthony Schlegel is there as a strength and conditioning coach. That's not something I would say to Schlegel's face. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I, I like that take. That's a good one. I haven't haven't heard that yet, but I'm I'm in on that that idea. And Josh, I just want to tell you that as as one of the managing editors of Langer and Holy Land, I will not call you a loser unless you deserve it. <laughs> um, I want to throw this at you real quick because I don't know if you have anything like else you really wanted to hit on. But bringing up Jacksonville, you know, coaches who have built their program up to something. I. I I just want to bring up Dabo Swinney for a second. I'm not saying he would go and take the Jacksonville job, although it might be interesting given their personnel. But I think we need to bring up Dabo too. You know, he has now lost his AD, his offensive coordinator to Virginia, right? Tony Elliott went to Virginia and Brett Venables to Oklahoma. What do you see for that Clemson program moving forward? I think that's interesting. Uh, I, I'm certainly not high on it. Um, well, luckily we've never seen, you know, a school go out higher from within, not make any flashy hires and then struggle on the field as a result. That's never happened at any of these premier programs, certainly not at Ohio state. And so, yeah, no, obviously joking. I don't, you know, from what we've heard of what, you know, what they're replacing guys like Brent Venables, uh, Tony Elliott, these kind of guys, they're not going out and getting anybody flashy. They're basically just hiring from within and elevating guys to that were already on the staff to those jobs. Um, you know, from what we saw at Ohio State this this past year, generally that doesn't work out. Um, you do need to go out and get guys that actually know what they're doing. You can't just, you know, take a guy that was like a quarterback's coach and make him the offensive coordinator. That isn't how these things work. You know, the Ohio State tried to make Matt Barnes a play caller um, who had never done it before. And while he, you know, he was he was OK at it, it certainly wasn't as good as it could have been. Um, and, you know, that's just it's not a recipe for success. You have to have good coaches the, the being a college football head coach. You need to take a lot of the workload off yourself. You're doing a lot of recruiting. You're doing a lot of the general overseeing, like you said, a CEO of, of the sport. Um, and you need guys under you that know what they're doing and can handle their individual roles. You need an offensive coordinator that could help you call plays, help you you know prepare for opposing defenses. You need a defensive coordinator that could you know get the whole defensive staff under wraps, um, especially if you're a more offensive-oriented guy like Ryan Day is. Dabo Sweeney seems like more of a, a defensive-oriented guy, but losing... Brent Venables is obviously huge. He was there forever. A big reason why Clemson was able to, you know, do the things they were able to do on defense for so long and win some of those national titles. Um, and, you know, having a guy like Trevor Lawrence certainly helped, but that defense was so good for so long under Venables. And so I, I think it could be, you know, it's it's an interesting time in the in the ACC. You know, you have Miami coming back to the forefront now with Mario Cristobal. Uh, Wake Forest is getting better. UNC has been up and down. Uh, there, there's some competition now in the ACC outside of just Clemson. And if they're you know, if they take a step back here, um, it, it could be an interesting situation out there. I think I don't think we're going to see the total downfall of Clemson just yet. But you know, if, if things start to go south, we could see maybe Dabo Sweeney look towards the NFL. Or uh, I don't, I doubt he'd go elsewhere in college football. There's not many jobs higher up than Clemson right now. But at the same time, you know, it's I don't, you know, uh, the, there isn't Trevor Lawrence isn't walking through back through that door for Clemson to win another national title. And with the way that they're kind of handling their staff, it doesn't seem like the most, uh, you know, obviously we're not as plugged in with Clemson, but it doesn't seem like the most positive direction for the program right now. Yeah, there's a lot of ways it could shake out. It's still very early. Well, it's really not even the offseason yet, but just kind of pulling up some current recruiting rankings. Clemson is typically or traditionally a top five program, or at least it has been over the last handful of seasons. They're currently 15th in the 2022 um Recruiting rankings now, the quality of player is still very high for them, but sitting at 15th, uh, they've got 13 hard commits or presumed commits right now. So I I wouldn't be shocked to see a step back from them. I don't think they're a 6-6 six and six team by any means. Um, I think they had they a were, bunch of decommits too, like on the defensive side, especially once Venables left. Yeah, they lost the uh, the big cornerback, a five star guy. He just committed to. He switched his commitment to Georgia today. I think his last name was Everett, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, you mentioned the ACC. It seems like it may be playing some catch up to Clemson, and losing that staff is not going to help that program moving forward. I don't think, and I will not lose a minute of sleep if they do take a big step back. 
Yeah, you would you would just really hate to see it. A guy, you know, a, such a good, nice, honest guy like Dabo Sweeney, you hate to see his program kind of take a step back. That would be really unfortunate for everyone in Columbus. I'm sure they would hate that. Um, but yeah, I think that's more or less it for today. I was going to go into a whole spiel about some other stuff, but I think we could either save that for a different episode or scrap entirely. Nonetheless, um, you know, National Sign today, as you're listening to this, will be early signing day. You will see a lot of Ohio State's current commits. Uh, signing their letters of intent. A lot of guys that will announce that they're going to you know, enroll early. I imagine a large swath of guys will. That seems to be kind of the general trend of the way things go these days. Kids want to get on campus early, start learning the, the playbook as early as they can, especially you know, guys like C.J. Hicks and Sonny Styles, who will almost certainly have a role in year one and some of the offensive guys as well. Um, so that's exciting. You know, It's exciting week of Ohio State stuff. Uh, they still, you know, the bowl game's coming up rapidly. It's only like the less than two weeks away now, or I guess a little over two weeks away as you're listening to this, but it's coming down the pipe. So we will have more Ohio State football on the horizon. Get to see more of CJ Stroud out there. Maybe one last ride for the wide receivers if they decide to play. But either way, uh, should be a fun game in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, which we will obviously, you know, preview the week of here on, on Hangout in the Holy Land. Uh, Josh, you have anything else for the people before we get out of here? Uh, not, you know what? I just have to give a, we'll give a shout out to the basketball team up to number 15th in the ranking. So, uh, we'll talk about more that more as the season progresses, but no, I'm just, I'm excited for tomorrow. I hope that Ohio state does hang on to all of its current commitments. Maybe they get a surprise or two, but at the end of the day, I think it will be a good day. And, uh, that's all I got for you, man. Yeah, we do want to talk about the basketball team sometime here soon. We keep wanting to do it, and then there's a bunch of Ohio State news to actually talk about, but they are a very fun and exciting bunch this year. Make sure you check out our Bucketheads podcast for more on them, but we will definitely have some Ohio State basketball talk coming up here on Hangout in the Holy Land sometime soon uh, when there's less going on in the world of Ohio State football. But... Uh, for Josh Julie, I am Gene Ross. Thank you for listening to Hang on the Holy Land. Be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff that you always do. And as always, go Bucks.